Indiana warrior mom who has navigated the autism world for 16 years and counting. My hope is to unite autism families by sharing experiences and taking a deep dive into this puzzling disorder. So thanks for joining me on Living the Sky Life, Our Autism Journey. For this second episode, I am chatting with my new friend and neighbor, Bethany Bailey. Bethany has three strong-willed yet tender-hearted children, ages 12, 8, and 9 months. We discuss what life is like for her 8-year-old son, Eli, who is on the autism spectrum. And Bethany also shares details about Eli's amazing service dog, Cosmo the Superdog. I've linked Bethany's contact info here, so please enjoy our conversation. So hi, Bethany. Uh, I'm glad you could join me today. I'm welcoming my friend, Bethany Bailey, who is a neighbor of mine, actually. And we um, uh, recently met and got a chance to introduce our, our children to each other. Um, and I asked her if she would be willing to, to do this podcast with me. Um, and she very willingly said yes. So we've got Bethany with us today. So Thank hi there. Thank you for having me. Hello. Thank you for having me. Um, we wanted to get into a discussion today um, about her son, Eli, who was diagnosed with autism. And is Eli seven? How, how old is Eli? He is eight. He'll be eight. nine okay. in April. Mm-hmm. Okay, gosh, I've already lost track. <laughs> That's okay. So can you share with everybody the, the story of his diagnosis and kind of along the way when you discovered that maybe there's some developmental delays or some challenges with Eli and, and kind of your process? Sure. Um, Well, first of all, autism was not on our radar, um, probably until he was about five. Um, And getting a diagnosis for him was incredibly painful for our family. So um, I'll kind of talk about kind of where we started seeing some differences. And that would be probably around the age of two and three. Um, But they were so subtle. Um, And everybody around us kept saying, he's a boy, he'll develop a whole lot differently. So we have um, three children and I had a girl first um, who was reading at the age of four and knew her alphabet at the age of three. So um, it was very different um, between (laughs) the two. Um, And he, he was constantly bouncing up and down all the time just into everything, never stopped. We called him the Tasmanian devil Mm -hmm. um, because he just, he just did not have an off switch unless he was sleeping. Um, And so we, um, we just noticed a little, little things here and there. Um, And so I think it was around, it was around four. um, I started noticing um, little things that he would do with um, maybe spinning or um, he might complain about putting on his shoes one day. Um, And I remember, I think it was four and a half that we had our very first meltdown and it was nothing like we'd ever seen before. Um, And he cried for over two and a half hours of just screaming. And um, it wasn't, it wasn't, he just kept repeating the same word over and over. And um, I called my husband and I said, I just, I don't know what's going on. We, I think I need to take him to the doctor. I think there's something majorly wrong with him. 
Um, and so we did, we made an appointment with his pediatrician and we took him in and we started um, explaining all these things that we started to notice. And he said, well, let's just go let's get him tested to see um, maybe it's ADHD. Um, let, let's just see what's going on. So we went, we, we went and saw um, a psychologist and she started testing him um, and she came back and she said, you know, um, I believe he has um, severe ADHD and um, we saw on one of his tests that he actually um, scored at the same level as somebody who has a brain injury or somebody who is on the spectrum. Huh. That should have been my first clue. Yeah. <laughs> um, she also diagnosed him with sensory processing disorder and um, severe anxiety. And so we started OT with him. Um, we did behavioral, behavioral therapy with him as well. And um, we finally got to a place where we're really um, maybe making a little bit of progress on some of the things, but we started noticing some major um, gaps between him and his peers. And um, meaning his social interactions were just very different. Um, and so I started researching a little bit more because I knew that there was something else there mm -hmm. and I just could not put my finger on it. And so um, when I started kind of researching, I realized um, that there was a whole lot of other things that we actually missed. Um, and I started looking back at his medical records. I looked back at his, some photos of his, some videos, way back even to where he was 18 months old. And it just, the dots just started to connect for me and my husband. And so we saw things like um, more spinning when he was younger and um, walking on tiptoes or um, let's see what else, some other things. Uh, his lack of eye contact was just, I mean, it was all over the place. Um, so we went back to the pediatrician and we said, you know, I think there's something more. And um, he said, okay, let's get some more testing done. So we went to two different specialists um, and, you know, it was, it was such a hard process because, um, the first person that we saw, um, basically came back and said, you know, his lack of social interaction probably has everything to do with the fact that you guys homeschool and, oh. and uh -oh. it just, Mama Bear. It, it hit me. <laughs> and I was, I remember physically shaking because I was like, that's not it. Um, and, and I was like, well, what about the fact that we homeschooled my daughter? Um, she's, you know, there is absolutely, um, nothing different about her social interaction. In fact, she's very social and, um, there's just, the, I just knew that, that that just was not it. And, um, then we went to another person who, um, and I kid you not, we were sitting in his office and 10 minutes into the interview, he said to me. I just don't see it. I just don't see the autism. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't just and, jump right out and bite him, I guess. <laughs> and I just, I was just dumbfounded because I had, I had all of this stuff. And so we started going through, he goes, well, what do you think it is? Why do you think he has autism? And so we started kind of going through some of this stuff and he said, you know, it, it sounds to me like you guys just need some parenting classes 
oh. um, to figure out how to control his meltdowns because you, you just shouldn't be giving into his meltdowns. And I'm thinking, well, the very definition of an autism meltdown is that you don't give them or you do give them what they want and they still continue to melt down. Right. Um, and so we, and you know, he had mentioned something about him eloping and how that's normal and um, in kids his age. And I just kept thinking, this is just wrong. <laughs> were they, were they um, pediatricians? Were they neurologists? Who was it that um, you, if you remember? He was a psychologist. This last one, they both okay. were psychologists. And so finally we went back to our pediatrician and I was just desperate. And I was like, listen, I, I will, I will absolutely take, um, severe ADHD and all these other diagnoses. If somebody would just give me the time and actually look through all of these things that we have, um, videos of him, you know, and, um, really understanding who he is and not just spend an hour with him. And he said, you bet. And so he actually has spent many hours with him before this. Um, he's a, he's a, wonderful pediatrician. So we went through everything on the DSM-5 um, mm-hmm. criteria and we just kind of went through and he hit every single one of those things with multiple reasons why he would fit under the autism category. Um, and so he, his pediatrician actually gave him the diagnosis and I was so grateful um, that I had somebody to actually listen to us, um, especially because we knew he needed so much more um, help and we just weren't going to be able to get that help for him if he did not have this diagnosis. So all of that to say, (laughs) um, it took us about three years, but um, we do have, um, he does have severe ADHD, but he also has autism and, um, and I'm thankful. Yeah, I'm absolutely thankful that um, his pediatrician took the time to really sit down and go through everything with us. Um, and, and really, you know, spend his time doing that. So, well, and as, you know, as we've talked and so many of us, um, in this journey of autism with each other have have discussed how large the spectrum is, there's, you know, so much talk lately about the numbers of, of children on the spectrum rising significantly because more and more people are just now being diagnosed and, and thrown in because the spectrum is so large. You know, I tend to disagree with that. I think that physicians for the most part are getting better at at least identifying delays in in children and sending them on to you know quote unquote experts psychologists psychologists psychiatrists neurologists someone else who could better make the diagnosis but being at the spectrum is so large i mean right. i would consider eli you know more of a higher functioning than skylar obviously we've seen the two of them together and with yes. skylar not having any words you know, I, um, and, and pretty much dependent on us for everything. I have no problem telling people that he is at the severe end of the spectrum. I think that they, they've put numbers on it. Now they've said you're, um, like a, like a three or whatever, if that means that you're like the most severe or higher functioning, I'm not even sure how all of that works. It's changed so much over the years. All I know is what my child needs. And, you know, I would, I would love to have a little bit higher functioning um, child on the spectrum. So um, I know that we talked about that a little bit, that the, the diagnosis itself and being called higher functioning or lower functioning may be offensive to some people. Um, I, I, don't, I don't feel that way. I'm not sure if you feel that way. Um, it's just a, a great way to 
kind of explain where your child is and how we can help. Absolutely. I think the right therapies. I think it's perfect way to be able to explain, especially, you know, going into um, say a school or church, um, I'm able to go in and say, okay, yes, he does have autism. Um, That's part of one of the struggles he has is that people just, he, you know, there's this, he doesn't look like he has any kind of disability. Um, And even talking to him and, and you may not even catch it at first. Um, but yes, he's definitely more high functioning. It's an, it's a way for me to be able to explain to people we're around, um, just so that they can have an understanding of um, maybe how his brain works a little bit better. For sure. Well, I know you mentioned that you homeschool. Um, and I know that you, you also have another, uh, baby. I still consider her a baby. <laughs> she, she is. She <laughs> will be the baby yes. <laughs> forever. So you've got a seventh grade daughter uh-huh. and then nine month old um, little girl too. And then Eli in the middle. That is um, so with, when you're homeschooling Eli, cause, um, your oldest daughter is now in public school, correct? She's now in private school. Yes. She or just started. School, yes. yes. She just started last year, um, which was really sad for me. But, I know um, <laughs> she's off in her own little school now. Yeah. So what made you want to, um, homeschool, uh, Eli and, and all of your kids really, um, it's a struggle. I mean, <laughs> just for me to get through the weekends with Skylar, oh, it's yeah. a little bit different situation, <laughs> but to homeschool too, you know, just with the meltdowns and things, um, you know, I commend you for, or do taking that on. That's a big, big process. Well, thank you. Um, you know, when I, when we had Lily and I was, um, I actually had all of her paperwork and I took her up to turn in her kindergarten packet to the school she was going to be attending. And I left and I was crying and I called <laughs> my husband and I said, I'm not sure that I can send her to school. Um, honestly, it was, um, a feeling inside. I just, it wasn't out of complete fear. It wasn't, um, for a lack of a good school district. Um, in fact, we were in one of the best school districts in the country. So, um, it just, it kind of just happened and, um, we started and I loved it. I, in fact, in, in college, I, I thought about going to get my education degree, but, um, I never actually finished college, but, um, in another world, I think I would love being a teacher mm-hmm. outside of the home. So we started that and she, um, she excelled and did wonderful. Um, and so it was just natural that we were going to start with Eli and we actually, he kind of sat with us while we were homeschooling with Lily and, um, he would just try to learn with us. So, um, it kind of was just a natural progression for him. So he seems like he's doing a really good job. I mean, I've seen several of your posts about, you know, the rewards he's getting, you know, for yes. reading and things like that. So that's phenomenal. That's, yes. that's awesome. He's making and- some great, great strides <laughs> this year. So yeah, absolutely. So I know uh, you recently celebrated um, some, we call big wins, um, but with, with Eli and his eating. So what, what have been the struggles with him with regard to food? Has he sure. been picky? <laughs> Well, one of those things I remember uh, looking back um, when he was younger was he actually never ate baby food. He hated huh. the texture of it. Um, and so I just started really, I just started um, uh, just giving him table food just um, when he was able to chew. Um, mm-hmm. And so we nursed until he was able to do that. And he never, he never did the baby food 
um, phase in life. So um, even from a young age, he was very picky, but um, you know, he, one of those things, he started eating a muffin for breakfast um, when he was about two and a half. And I have been making muffins um, <laughs> for that long. <laughs> so I've seen your baggies. They're yes. quite large. <laughs> I, once a month, I will make a batch of muffins to last us an entire month. Um, and every morning he'll get a muffin out and that's what he eats. And he eats the same thing for lunch. And, this, and for a long time, he was eating the same thing for dinner. Um, so his, uh, his range, I think he would have about 15 foods that maybe he'll eat at the moment. Um, and he actually, he's so tiny. He's eight mm -hmm. years old. He still wears a size five. Um, and I recently took him into his pediatrician just to make sure that we weren't in a dangerous level. Um, but he's doing, he's okay. And so we, um, I just, it was a fight. It's a fight every night, um, to get him to sit at the table to eat. And we just felt really strongly about having family night, family mm -hmm. dinners together. Um, and it, he just would never sit with us. The the sounds at the table, um, people using silverware on plates and cutting, um, the smells, everything just, he just hates, he hates sitting at the table. Um, and the texture of foods, um, everything was just really hard for him. So um, I decided I had to, I had to give something up <laughs> and not, <laughs> if I wanted him to sit with us, um, then I, you know, I needed to try something different. So you know, electronics are a big, um, a big reward for him. Mm -hmm. And so we started allowing him to eat and watch at the, at the dinner table very quietly, but he gets to sit at the dinner table and watch a show. And surprisingly, he has now begun to try new foods. Um, okay. he sit at the table. I think there's something about his brain, um, being focused on something he really wants to do. Um, and he's just kind of, I would almost say mindlessly eating. Um, but at this point I am just thankful that he's eating. Um, and he's, you know, he's eating more protein and he's trying new foods. Um, and he knows that if he's eating, he gets to watch. And so, um, that's what we've done. And so far I feel like it has been, um, it has been huge. And I, I think in the future, we're going to try to maybe work in a way where we can take away more electronic time from him um, just so he's sitting at the table with us. But mm -hmm. for right now, it's a huge win. <laughs> Not going to rock that boat. All, <laughs> we are all grateful. So <laughs> that's so great. That's so great. And hopefully that'll help um, your littlest too to see that everyone's at the table so that she doesn't think, well, if I sit at the table, then maybe I'll get right. electronics too. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's great. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, a lot of moms and, and you and I have talked about too is the the trouble when we have to go out and attend either birthday parties for other kids or social events and things like that and it's just you have to mentally prepare not only for that outing but you also have to physically prepare by packing a ton right. of things diaper bags whatever it is that you need um mm -hmm. for the kids and um i know you had mentioned recently um about um, an event, um, that you had at the seminary, um, that you guys went to, and I'd love for you to share that story with everyone. Um, because I, I felt your pain just reading it and talking to you about it. Yes. Cause I've been through it. Um, <laughs> sure. Um, so every year, um, the seminary puts on a, 
uh, fall festival and they um, bring in all kinds of um, rides and food and bouncy houses. There's, I mean, just, I don't know, 20 to 30 different bouncy houses. Um, so yeah, we, we love going, um, but it is something I have to really work myself up to doing probably about two to three weeks beforehand um, <laughs> because it's exhausting. Um, but, um, you know, one of the things that we struggle with um, is, you know, especially in going out um, and being in an open area like that, um, is that he, he's almost like a toddler um, who can run fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and so taking him, um, there, there has to be, especially now that I have another young one, there has to be at least two parents, um, there to help with that. And so, um, it's a constant going from one line to the next line because he doesn't want to stand in one line for more than a couple of minutes at a time. Um, and so it's like, he gets bored and then he needs to move on to the next one. Um, he, he, he desires to be with his friends, but, um, but never seems to stick around them. So he kind of just does his own thing. So it's constantly, it's like a ping pong, a, a ping pong, you know, we're going back and forth mm-hmm. all over the place. Um, and of course we see our friends there. Um, and so it's a struggle because you, um, you want to sit and you want to talk to these moms and, you know, they're all hanging out at the tables and, um, you know, their kids at this age are mostly on their own mm-hmm. um, doing what they want to do. And so I might see a friend and start talking to them. And then I have to interrupt them about, you know, 30 seconds in. And I'm saying, oh, I'm so sorry. I wish I could talk, but I got to go. Eli's off to the next thing. And his sense of danger is, is just not there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so for sure. He, you know, and he, he'll jump lines and, you know, he just, he needs somebody there with him. Mm-hmm. And so it's a struggle. You know, we, I think the the hardest part of being a special needs mom is, um, that, you know, I, it feels like we're alone. Mm-hmm. Um, except that we know that we're not, especially with the social media era that we're in, that we know we see them, um, all over the place, you know, online. Um, and even, even when I'm out and about, sometimes I might see a, a, another mom that I look at her and I'm just, I give her a big smile because I know, I know what she's doing. I know what she's mm-hmm. going through. And so, um, I think that's one of the hard things of raising a child on the spectrum. It's just, it's just, it's hard as a mom to, you know, to have your own social time. So, yeah, it can be very isolating and it, you know, it makes you sad, you know, in one way, of course you do anything for your kids and you would stand in as many lines as they wanted to stand in. Absolutely. any time of the day, but you, we all need, I mean, social media is great, but we all need like the personal one-on-one interaction with uh, other adults and to talk about anything else. I mean, we don't right. want to talk about <laughs> autism all day, every day, all the time. That's our entire life sometimes. It really and is. it's just as exhausting. So, you know, I just wish more people would see us struggling and offer a hand or you say, you know what, I'll sit with them. If, if you need me to run to the if you need to run to the restroom, I mean, I, there's some days I don't even shower until he goes to bed Amen, at night sister. because I've never gotten away from him. So that's right. If you see me in the neighborhood like that, uh, you know why. <laughs> so, yeah. um, speaking of the neighborhood and going for walks, I of course want to discuss Cosmo the super dog. Oh, I yes. love your dog. Um, oh, so thank you. let's back up from you know the decision that that you and 
your husband made about securing a um, service dog, if I'm saying that correctly, because I know there yes. are different types of dogs. So, um, and then just how that whole process started and how you, you got Cosmo. Sure. Um, well, first let's, let's touch on, um, service dogs. There, there are therapy dogs, um, there's emotional support animals, and then there's service dogs. And there's a big difference between the three. And a lot of people don't actually know, um, those differences. Um, and so I wanted to touch on that first. Sure. Um, therapy dogs are actually, um, they are dogs that visit um, different facilities to comfort people um, and give affection. Um, and they do not have um, public access rights except for the facility that they work at. Um, so that means you, you won't see them out in stores or restaurants and things like that. Um, emotional support animals um, are strictly for um, emotional support. Um, so they actually, the only rights that they have outside of the home are, um, are actually flying on certain airlines. Mm -hmm. um, I am seeing now more and more airlines are actually um, um, not allowing that. I'm not sure what um, where those guidelines are there, but and then, then they also are allowed in homes or apartments, rental properties um, with um, emotional support animals. Now we take a service dog, and um, the service dogs are actually protected under the American with Disabilities Act. Oh, really? And yes, and so um, they are working animals. They are not considered pets, and they are considered medical equipment. So they have um, public access rights to anywhere. Um, the public can go um and so and then they are specifically trained to perform tasks related to um a person with a disability and so um that is that's the that's the difference between those three and um, as far as cosmos concerned um we actually started looking into um a service dog for him even before his diagnosis of autism. And the reason why is because his anxiety was so bad sometimes. And so um, I, I just I just started researching. I didn't I didn't know what was gonna happen. I didn't I didn't know where we were gonna go with it. But um, once we realized that um, we were gonna be getting an autism um, diagnosis, um, I really started working hard on that. Um, it has actually um, been shown to, being around a dog has actually been shown to lower blood pressure, heart rate, reduce anxiety, um, and increase endorphins and um, oxytocin. So I was all about trying to figure out how we could make this happen for Eli. Um, and so when I started researching, I realized that service dogs can cost anywhere between $25,000 to $40,000. Oh my goodness. And it kind of just hit me and I was just like, how, oh, we're never going to be able to make this happen. Mm -hmm. um, but then I realized you actually can train them yourselves. Um, and so we started doing more and more research on that and I was determined to make this happen. So, um, I found a local breeder. We got, um, a golden doodle from him and he, um, and then I found a breed or a, a trainer here in town and I called him and I said, you know, I really need some help, um, training him. You know, do you think that you could help me? And he said, well, we actually have a nonprofit here. Um, and 
we will train him for you for free. <laughs> You're like, what? And I said, Hallelujah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so he actually, we took, he took Cosmo and he was there for a little over a month and a half. And, um, and how trained. old was Cosmo? Was Cosmo a- was nine months old. Okay. I believe, at the time. So they have to be a certain age before they um, can start? Roughly a certain age and really more what they're able to do. We did a lot of training with him at home. Mm-hmm. And um, so we did basic training. So the main things he went for training was to, for public access and then to train him on specific tasks for Eli. Um, and so thankfully, Eli, um, he doesn't need a lot of um, a lot of tasks performed, but the tasks that he does perform are um, huge for him. So that's how we got this all started. And we got him back a little after in January, I think this past year. And so we have um, really enjoyed having him in our home. Oh, well, and I know the bond between Eli and Cosmo is like nothing else. It's, they yes. love each other. So that's yes. phenomenal. So yeah. there aren't any issues then taking Cosmo out where people pet Cosmo or, or, you know, that it just doesn't detract from Eli at all. If it's out and <laughs> well, about or does it okay. um, there. So gosh, let me, let me back up here. Some of the things that, that Cosmo does for him. Um, so I mentioned eloping earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have a sense of danger. I can't even tell you how many times that I feel like he's almost been run over by a car. Um, but so we call, we call Cosmo our furry anchor. And so Eli will um, hold on to a leash and it kind of keeps him centered with us. And so we will, I can take him into stores now. I can take him through the parking lot um, and he won't run off. Um, It's not all the time, but I I feel like I have more freedom now to be able Mm -hmm. to go and run errands. Um, As far as people touching him, um, you know, we just have to learn to, to say, you know, he's a working dog. We, you know, he's working right now. Please don't touch him. Um, so we did run into that, but we've not actually run into anybody saying we can't bring him into a certain facility. So that's, we've been lucky about that. But um, yeah, so some of the other things that uh, Cosmo does, he um, he applies deep pressure therapy. So we, we've all, and if we're in the um, autism world, we know about um, weighted blankets. Um, so Cosmo is kind of like a weighted blanket for him mm-hmm. that just, he's constantly with him. So he applies deep pressure. Um, he also is a wonderful social bridge for Eli. And so, you know, who want, doesn't want to be friends with the kid that has the dog? <laughs> <laughs> so he's actually been really great for Eli to be explaining um, who Cosmo is and what Cosmo does for him and why he has him. And so it's been wonderful for Eli and, and his um, social communication with his peers. Well, and I've been a firsthand witness to that because when I first met you guys, <laughs> Eli told me first thing all about Cosmo and because yes. our dog, our puppy was out. And so we got into this large discussion about Cosmo. He is the sweetest, yes. Eli is the sweetest little boy. And I loved seeing his face light up when he was telling me everything he could tell me about his dog. So <laughs> it was sweet. It was definitely yes. sweet. Um, well, you know, I know some of the other things that Eli enjoys, um, music, dancing around the house, dinosaurs, some of those things. Um, you know, what, what are the things are, is he passionate about and what makes him smile on a daily basis? Um, well, his current obsession right now is Pokemon. 
Oh. Yeah, he was introduced <laughs> to Pokemon by a friend um, at church, and now it's Pokemon everything, Pokemon shirts and shows and decorations in his room. Um, they also are rewards for school. When we finish a school, he gets a Pokemon card. Um, he will talk to anybody about Pokemon, and he will talk for hours about Pokemon. So that is his current obsession right now. He, um, he loves Legos. He loves Star Wars. Um, he loves Minecraft, video gaming. So all of these things are his loves. Um, but currently it's all about Pokemon. Oh, well, in addition to feeding, I mean, trying new foods and, and sitting at the table and, and some of the issues around foods, um, what other uh, goals do you have for him right now? What are the things he's working on? Sure. Um, right now I am currently working on academics. Um, I'm really focused on that. He is about two to three years behind his peers um, when it comes to his academic level. Mm -hmm. um, and as far as um, how that relates to his autism, I, I, we're not entirely sure um, where all that is, but for him to get through a school day without a meltdown um, is, a, is a huge challenge. And so we um we've been working really hard on how can we help him um, focus at school um, sit longer for longer periods of time sit and learn something he has no interest in learning um and then get through it without having a meltdown so right now that's that's one of our main goals for him um, and so we're really excited about the progress he's made since we started school this semester um he's, he's doing he's doing a lot better well that's great Again, I commend you for homeschooling. I, I should send Skylar down <laughs> if you really want a challenge. It would be a, it would I'm be kidding. a fun challenge. <laughs> I would never do that to anyone that I care about. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, um, you know, I I have really appreciated talking to you, and just it's always nice to get a different perspective, especially with um, someone who has a child on the spectrum that's younger than mine. Um, you know, I can just remember back when you're talking about the diagnosis and, and being at those doctor's appointments. And, you know, some of those instances aren't as clear cut as, you know, Skylar's, they took three minutes of a, a session with him and diagnosed him on the spot. So I, I just think that you're advocating for Eli is tremendous and you're such a great mom. You're, be, you. you're to be commended for all of the research and for pushing hard to get the diagnosis that he needs in order to get services. We all know that if it's, not spelled out as the autism diagnosis that so many services are eliminated from from them that they need so absolutely is he having any ot or speech or pt or any of those other therapies coming into the home or outside of the home at all right now right. Or? well we were in ot before we moved over here to indiana mm -hmm. um i have not gotten back into ot because i'm trying to get him into an ABA center. Yes. Um, and so we are currently in that process. We have our fingers crossed that everything's going to work out. <laughs> yeah. um, so we're, we're hoping to see that happen. And then once we get that started, I think we're going to hop back on the OT train and um, hopefully get to see him make some more progress in his sensory, um, sensory problems that he has and um, hopefully see some more progress there. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, I know that Cosmo the Superdog has an Instagram account, so I will be link, linking that to this uh, podcast as well. Is there any other way um, people can reach out to you or is it the best 
through the Cosmo page on sure, Instagram. Sure, you can reach us um, um, on Instagram um, on Cosmo's page. You're welcome to email me as well. If you, I'll send that to you if you want to link that there. Um, if you have any questions about homeschooling a child with special needs, I've done hours of research. Um, so I'd be happy <laughs> to help anybody who's interested in that as well. So. Yeah. And if there's more questions about specifically about getting a service dog and all the process of going through that, um, that would be great if you could yeah. share that with them as well. So Absolutely. again, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and sharing a lot of insight about um, all things autism. So <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Take care. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and will tune in for the next episode in two weeks. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Living the Sky Life within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select that five-star rating, provide feedback or suggestions about topics you'd like to hear about, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.